And if I'm honest, I think I kind of started to feel a little bit of a, a burnout after 2020 because I just felt that there was almost like an additional spotlight on like black runners specifically during that time. And, and while I was glad to share my perspective, I also had a lot of like, but I've been here, like we've all been here. It's not like I just appeared in 2020 and now you can ask all these questions and like dig and try and understand like this has been my life for most of my life. Half my life has been a black distance runner. I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners win. Every single two black two Let's take a quick break in the beginning of the podcast to give you a word from our sponsor for the month of February, Tracksmith. Tracksmith is back sponsoring the Runner Report, sponsoring two black runners for this month of February as we have our Black Tastemakers podcast series with people in the running industry. This was something that really Aaron wanted to go with because he's somebody in the, well, I guess I'm in the running industry too. We two black dudes in the running industry doing our thing. And it's so great to have someone like Tracksmith to come on with us for this ride. Because Tracksmith is a brand for committed runners like you and me. People who know that the best part of busy day is squeezing in a workout. We've all been running. We, Me and Aaron have been running our entire life. And to have someone like Tracksmith who understands like this clothing brand has great things for definitely like their winter collection with the merino base layers. And that are really just great for their two-in-one gloves as well like these staples of high quality running are just something that's just you can't get anywhere else tracksmith is a great running brand that i think everybody should check out and this gives you the chance to you can use our code running report 22 for 15 dollars off your first order of 75 dollars or more that's that's fire that's fire special shout out to tracksmith for just sponsoring us and letting us do this bruh this black tastemaker series in the running industry i feel like it's gonna be super impactful y'all are gonna love this episode with camilla actually camilla used to work for tracksmith so that's even crazier that we have her on the podcast but i know you guys are gonna enjoy this episode special thanks to tracksmith again but let's get right back into this let's get Black History Month. Salute to all those black leaders, all the black people, all my people listening. We got a whole month. Come on. You, you know how we gonna do here on Two Black Tuesday during Black History Month. It's gonna be turned every time. So I'm super excited for what we got planned for the entire month, man. I've been wanting to do this Black Tastemakers highlight for the longest time. So without further ado, Joshua, let the people know who we got on today. Uh, for real, we have a great guest on today. Someone that we worked with when we were, we were partnering with Tracksmith through everything. She's the writer, a Tracksmith model, a board co-VP with Runners for Public Lands, a former Tracksmith marketing manager. She previously worked for the Hoka. She does everything from the ins and out, everything behind the scenes. She's a black queen. Let's put that in there too. Camilla Jornette joining us on the podcast. Camilla, how's it going? How are you feeling? Like this is this is a, this is a good day. It's a nice conversation. We're really excited for you to be joining us. I am so excited to be here. I love your two energy all the time. So I feel really honored uh, to get to chat with you two today. 
Yeah, I really feel like we need to highlight everything you've done. And Joshua, going through that list, I was like, dang, there's so many things that you really are a part of. Just to start off, like, how long have you been in the running industry? And what is, like, that thing about the running world in general that you love the most? Yeah, I'd say I've been in, like, the the nitty-gritty of the running industry about five years now. Um I love that my job overlaps with my passion for running. I love that I'm surrounded by coworkers that understand running, but I also love the diversity of those who are new to the sport, those that fall in love with the sport, those that really can shake things up because they don't have the same background as I do. And it's just, it's a really fun place to work. It's still work. Um, but at least that the the heart of it, it's something that I really care about. So and for me, like hearing all of that, and I, I hear your name, and we got to work with you when we're when we're working with Coca and everything. But like for some people, and especially like someone like me, I'm 21 years old. You know, I don't know too much about what happens behind the scenes. Like Camilla, what do you do? Like what what is like what is what would you say like that what you do in running? Like we already named you've been with a lot of different companies and you do a lot of different things. But like, how would you kind of describe like what you do in running? Yeah, uh, so my role, basically all my roles fall under a marketing strategist. So my job is really to help brands build their stories and the stories that we share about who's involved in the sport or in the outdoor space. Uh, How do we create partnerships with others? So for instance, that's how I connected with you two and was like, hey, we want to sponsor some podcasts and we want to work together to create some new content. Um, I work a lot with like paid advertising budgets. So any of those banner ads you see that follow you around the internet, uh, working to understand the consumer that way. And then also a lot of traveling to events, um, following athletes, catching up with them and just basically trying to help highlight the stories that might otherwise be overlooked in the sport and figure out how brands can help shine a spotlight on those people. Yeah. And when you're saying that, this makes me just think like why it's so important to have someone like you in that position from your background, being a a black woman, because sometimes a lot of times, you know, we're overlooked like in these situations and we need more people like us in this world to like shape that narrative. So we're not left out, but why, yeah, why do you think it is? Cause I, I come from the background of, you know, after college I ran for like that, for the Aggies. And then I was working at running warehouse and then I, now I'm working at Hoka. And I feel like a lot of people aren't aware of these opportunities that, that are in running. Whereas in like, sometimes like in, if you try and play basketball in college, maybe you end up working for some basketball company or you go try and work for ESPN. Why don't you think we see like that same thing like in the running world? I think it's it's really interesting because for one, I think honestly, there's a lot of who knows who within the running industry. So you'll find a lot of people kind of follow people or like know someone who knows someone. And so it can become like this really tight bubble. Um, It doesn't mean it's impossible Mm -hmm. to get in. I just think that for whatever reason, running has kind of stuck to like the historical, like this is what running looks like for so long that they did kind of silo themselves 
in this running industry that sits so far from the sport of running. And I think now we're starting to see that change and evolve as more people start to wonder, like, how can I combine my passion with my work and, and what are those avenues like? And so you see people starting to apply for jobs within the industry and kind of trying to get their feet wet in a lot of different areas. But I think something people don't even recognize is that within the running industry, it's not like the only job is working with athletes. Like there's marketers, there's people that work in finance, there's people that work in creative, there's people that work in business development. Like there's all these pieces that have to come together within the industry. And once you start to realize that, then you can be like, oh, actually I wanna look at these brands for these jobs because I know they exist there. Wait, I really like how, uh... You brought up how like running, the running industry has siloed itself away from like the sport of running in a way. And I feel like that is one of the main contributors because thinking of somebody that may be like a sprinter, like especially in like track and field, like all they really see through their eyes or like the lens of running is like that sport, like running the 100, running the 200. So usually their next move would be all like, yeah, if I wasn't going to run anymore is to become like a coach. And I'm able mm -hmm. to see like from Aaron's point of view, from what Aaron did, because Aaron was semi-pro with like the Aggies and ended up working at Running Warehouse and now works with Hoka. Then even my other brother, he does coach now with like younger kids, but even like working at a running store, like a mm -hmm. lot of like 100, 200 high jumpers aren't really making that sort of like transition. Do you feel like there needs to be like running needs to step closer to the sporting like aspect, like needs to come closer back to that? Or is it just making people realize that like running, like track and field and like the opportunities don't just stop inside the oval, but can be, can go beyond that. And like your voice is worth it in these certain areas in a way. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of, twofold because from one perspective like the industry could definitely do a better job of widening their net and saying like hey we're actually going to try and reach people that aren't just like pinnacle athletes that we think can also do this job but I also think it has to start a lot sooner like I think back to when I was in high school or college or you talk with people about like what jobs are out there no one ever shared with me that there was a possibility for me to take my communication bachelor's and work in a field that I was already really passionate about. It was basically like, oh, well, you can work in marketing or journalism or communication. Like, you know, they, they list off the things yeah. and then you go and you do a Google search and you kind of put some keywords in. But if you know to narrow it down, narrow down your scope and be like, actually, these are brands I really admire. And so then it's a lot easier when you do get an interview to speak naturally. Like you actually care about the company that you're interviewing with. You actually care about what they're trying to do in the space. And then, of course, it's a lot easier to see like, yeah, actually, you're a great fit for this role for X, Y and Z. Yeah. And one thing, too, like I recognized when I started working, like, you know, I worked at a running store and I worked at a running warehouse. Now I'm working at Hoka. And when I finally got to this corporate level, I noticed, hey, there's not like a lot of people like me. But at the same time, me and Joshua are doing two black runners running report. We're going out and we're we're meeting we're meeting these different Allison Desir. We're meeting Joel Holder and everything. We're meeting Jameson Michael and connecting with them. Do you feel like there is like this transition and wave of uh, cool, like amazing, like black black people? in the industry doing amazing things as well? 
I 100% think that there's like this rumbling network of people that are like rising up and feeling like their voices need to be heard and that the work that they do is just as important as the traditional uh, work that's been done for decades. And, and it's really, really cool to be a part of it and to be like, hey, I recognize a face that looks like mine in this industry now and someone that understands my background, or even if we have different backgrounds that we were all coming together at this point. And to start like expanding that network, I think is going to be really key to running, continuing to grow and be seen as a sport more along the lines of those other big name sports that we recognize. This is something that a question that I want to come and I feel like plays off this as well. When we were just talking about like since it is the beginning of like the Black History Month and I think we're gonna definitely talk about like the black running community. I feel like this question is very abstract, but I think I just feel like at this like sort of just what is the for the black running community right now and just whatever that community looks like for you if that's like your run group or if that's like the industry whatever connects to you most in the way but what is something that you have seen through from what we have been through in the past like two years and recently that need that other people on the outside need to know about what's going on in the black running community or what is something in the black running community that you want to see more of that more people need to take action a part of this in that type of way yeah i think from my perspective something i've realized especially in the last like i guess it's been a year and a half now since like the summer of 2020 when things really like lit up i think and a, a big light was shown on the discrepancies within the industry is that I started to notice like a lot of black people got tired (laughs) because we were explaining so much. We were talking so much. We were fighting so hard and a lot of allies, allies got tired too. And so I feel like we kind of like, there's these waves of like something happens in the media or something happens in politics or in the news and everyone like jumps to a hundred and then tries to run at a hundred and then eventually it kind of tapers off. So I feel like from my perspective, it's more of a idea that community exists in the running space. I think if we were able to bring issues to the forefront sooner, instead of waiting for just like something big to hit and then expecting everyone to react to that, that we might be able to make more consistent progress in really just expanding that these are issues that are dealt with every day and they're things that take time. And this is a training plan that's going to last forever in terms of how do we continue to diversify the industry? How do we continue to diversify who's seen in different areas? Um, so for me, I guess it's kind of letting people in, like accepting help when people offer it, but also like not being afraid to ask for help if there are pieces that like we need to have platform share or um, uplift others in that way. I think what's really interesting about the question Joshua just asked, because you you asked about like the black running community specifically. And I thought to myself, like, what is the black running community? Is it like, you know, the sprinters at the track? And like, you know, like I can't really name, you know, a, a, a team I've been on where it was like, you know, all black people like that. So I feel like I discovered the black community as I started getting more into the industry of these people doing these amazing things. And I do feel like this Ahmed Aubrey situation, like really like put a spotlight on the black running community. And like you were saying, like, that's one thing I want, you know, black, black people to recognize like, Hey, there is like this community and there are these amazing people 
in this running community that are doing these great things behind the scenes. It is something that is for you and that you can do. And that's why like I've been inspired by seeing the song because I thought there was none, I thought there wasn't one, you know, and mm-hmm. then discovering and being all these people. And I'm like, wait, no, we actually have a voice like we have a voice in this industry and we have people that are doing like really, really just amazing things. So yeah, I could see how that was a hard question to answer though. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it all really is like really abstract. Definitely look at like what is like the running community because it can, it can, it can, I feel like it's, it's different from every, it's different for everybody. And like, you're not going to have like that direct community, but also social media has allowed us for that community to really widen so much and then but then like the widen so much and then also to keep those conversations going so that people are now equipped whenever like they see something that's going wrong or something in that type of way but the only way that we've been able to like get to this point and like kind of like figure out this industry part and start off just having loving the sport of like running and like that's where i want to get to with you as well camilla just like where well before we just even go to like the sport of running because we all in here like we know hey you were a talented athlete at Chibruco Hills High School you went to state two times and cross country with your team like you were going to CIF you ran at uh, UCSD with the Tritons and stuff but like what was just one of your first memories of just like sports and like competition like back in the day that attracted that attracted you to competition and competing? Yeah, I feel like. I was always super competitive as a kid, um, but I didn't grow up in a sports family. So my mom put me in every extracurricular, probably except sports. I think I was on a softball team for like a week and I played a year of soccer. And other than that, competition for me was like tag on the playground. It was capture the flag. It was dodgeball. Even though I couldn't throw, I was quick. So like I would never, I'd always be the last person standing, but I couldn't catch or throw. So I was kind of just running for my life. Um, So I'd say for me, that competitive drive is kind of what led me to track and field. I always felt like that was a space I could picture myself in, even though I'd never run before. It was just like, well, I enjoy running around the playground. So I think I'd enjoy like racing people on a track. So I joined my track team in sixth grade when I was living on the East Coast in Maryland. Um, I It was technically a track team, but our uniforms were like oversized football jerseys and we practiced in the hallways because it was snowing outside. And like my mom says that I chit chat it through the hundred meter dash that I ran. Like I was talking with a friend as I was sprinting, sprinting the hundred. (laughs) So clearly it wasn't like clicking, clicking, but I liked like going to practice. I liked the camaraderie and I moved back to California in eighth grade in March of eighth grade. And I basically had made like one friend before the school year ended and they had sent out a form um, to check boxes for sports if you're interested. Uh, so I checked the box for track and field and I, my mom signed the form and I got to school and this girl, her name is Sarah Brewer. And she was like, why don't you check the box for cross country? And I was like, what's cross country? And she's like, it's the same thing, just a little longer. <laughs> Like if you can run a hundred meters and you want to train for that, like the three mile is going to make the hundred seem easy. And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, I guess. Um, so I checked the box and got a packet in the mail with all these forms and showed up for practice the first day. And that was kind of that, like it became 
my everyday. It became where I met all my friends, my first boyfriend, like all my social time, everything was like about this community of running. Um, so that's kind of how I like came into the sport, I guess you could say. Yeah. And from the get go too, like you said, like I remember high school, that high school cross country team, the community you built there is so impactful. Um, I feel all of us on the Zoom right now, we all have friends, you know, still from our high school cross country team. So that's that's pretty cool. Another thing, too. Um, what was what was the cro track and cross country? What was the scene like? How competitive was it at your school and just like in SoCal at that time when you're coming up? Yeah, so I was in high school from 2006 to 2010, and I went to Tribuco Hills, which was a pretty competitive school in CIF Southern Section Division One. I had no idea any of that when I checked the box on a form, um, and I basically went from my freshman year goofing off a lot. I think we like stopped and bought French fries at Carl's Jr. and walked up the hills and like <laughs> really just like kicked around with my my yeah. friends until track season came. And freshman year, I think I must have ran maybe like 546, like one of the first races of the season. And my coach was like, you're not yeah. going to be messing around anymore. Uh, we're going to change your training class. group. Um, yeah. So that was like a hard shift. And, and it really allowed me to tap in whether I wanted to or not into a bit more potential with running. And especially being on such a competitive team, it was like, I was working my butt off and like couldn't get on varsity until my junior year, even though I was consistently running in like the 530s for the mile or running in the 19s for the three mile. Like the team was just that good. But I think it was a really special experience. Like I'm still really good friends um, with some of the girls on the team. I still keep in contact with some of them. Um, and we just pushed each other. Like we just wanted to be the best that we could possibly be. And I think the Southern section does that. Like, you know, who's out there, you know, who you're going to go head to head with, you know, what times like Great Oak or Saugus is running. And you're like, okay, like I'm going to line up and I'm putting a target on that girl's back. And like, I'm still going to shake her hand at the end, but it was really, really fun for me to just challenge myself every day. Um, so I really loved it. Yeah, that's what I'm starting to realize too, as a, I'm coaching with my dad, like sometimes for some kids, it's hard for them to get that click and something about having the community and like that Tribuco Hills has grown like a great Oak, or even like school we went to Roosevelt, having like that many like kids on your cross country team, it helps so much. Like it's almost like, you come into it and you see everybody having fun. Everybody is like talking. And it's all like, and then like a month in, you're all like, these are like my only friends. And it's a cult at one point. You're like, what's going on? <laughs> like it's 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 such an, a crazy an experience, and especially at like that uh that that level. But what were you as you started to get faster and faster? What are your dreams? Like were you starting when you were going into like high school, like were you thinking like, dang, like like, what were you thinking of you wanted to be when you grow up? Like, were there any thoughts of like, man, I may want to go like pro at this in high school or something, or I want to go to like the next level in college? Like, when did that start thinking of maybe I can do like some next couple steps? And what were those next steps for you? 
Yeah, I would say junior year is when like running really started to click and I was like, okay, I really want to set goals for senior year. Like I want to go out strong and senior year was the first year where I was like first for our team in a cross country race and I ended up running 1720 in the three mile that year and I switched over the track and I was like, I want to run the 800 and I want to get the school record in the 800. And that was like, honestly, the only thing I really thought about that season in hindsight, it was kind of a, a big goal because my PR was 229 from my freshman year and the school record was 213, 214, 213, I think. Uh, long story short, I ended up running 213 at um, league finals and like got the school record, which still stands today, which I'm like hey, praying that go. someone break it. Like it's been <laughs> there way too long. Um, but for me, that was really a moment of like, wow, let's see where I can go with running in a way. Um, and then it kind of came down to running in college. I knew I wanted to run in college, but I wasn't really sure where. I ended up choosing UC San Diego. Um, I ran there. In hindsight, I think running in college is a really big decision because you don't always understand the the culture of a team or the shifts that happen between high school and college unless you really have someone that's like guiding you in that way so for me i think i struggled with the fact that i was leaving a team that i was so close with for so long to kind of like start over um, the mileage was very different for me from high school to college. I think I'm one of the few people that goes from high mileage to low mileage when they um, get into college. Um, I ended up struggling with anemia a lot, but we didn't figure it out for a while. So college was kind of like a mixed bag of running for me. And I feel like in a way it allowed me to develop the other pieces of myself uh, so I really focused more on like what I was learning or like who I was becoming and who was I if I wasn't just a runner um, and in a way I'm really thankful for that time period because I do think a lot of athletes graduate college and like you're still a runner you're a runner with a degree but you're still like through and through just a runner. And for me, because I wasn't running well, and I ended up, I quit the team after my sophomore year and I graduated my junior year and was just like, I need a fresh start. Um, for me, that really allowed me to look at the different angles of life and be like, what do I want to do next? Maybe it's not running like I thought it was going to be a couple of years ago, um, but how do I still exist as a person, I guess? Yeah, that's that that's that adulting, man. That's that early 20s, you know, just trying to figure it out. But so was there like a time where you were like, man, forget Joshua knows about that. But was there a time where you're like, forget running or was there a time or was there something that sparked like your interest back into running? Yeah, I definitely said forget running when I graduated. I was like 21 when I graduated college and I had no interest in running a step. I don't think I ran a step for at least two years or so. Like I got a corporate job that I hated and just did the like nine to five life and was like, yeah, I used to run. Like, yeah, I enjoy running even though I hadn't run for a long time. Um, but I actually came back to it because my mom encouraged me to find some way to volunteer. She was like, you, you need to do something with this extra time. Like you can't just work and, and live. And I was like, well, what am I good at? I was like, well, I used to be good at running. And so I sent an email to the coach at Thousand Oaks High School, cross country coach. And I was like, hey, 
I ran at Tribuco Hills, I ran at UCSD. I live in the neighborhood. Like if you ever need extra hands, let me know. And he got back to me pretty quickly. And before I knew it, I was supposed to show up for like summer practice and I hadn't run in two years. So I literally started with like five minutes. Okay, five minutes out, five minutes back, 15 minutes out, 15 minutes. It took me like a few weeks to get up to an ability where I was like, I think I can make it through like one of their easy runs. Um, and I'm really, really thankful that I listened to my mom and I ended up volunteering and actually being hired on as an assistant coach for cross country and track. I did that for about five years and I fell in love with the sport of running all over again. Like being at a high school, seeing the kids, seeing the camaraderie, doing their workouts, like they inspired me to get back on the track. They inspired me to get back on the roads, to race, to like see what my potential could be again. Um, so yeah, that was a, a really special moment. And that's basically what kind of led me back into the running world. Yeah, I really, I really like that because I've been actually thinking of making this video that I want to put out, like talking about how like I've been, I feel like there's been several times in my life where like, like, I don't know, I feel like something about running is that you just keep on falling in love with it. And like the love's always not the same, like the mm -hmm. second, third and fourth and fifth time around, like you find a different reason to like, really like love, like fall in love with it. So I'm working on something like to try and like bring that to life to show like the several times I fall in love. And I know there's gonna be another time that you like fall out, but it's all like, it's just something that always, I think like just like the basic things of like, the really that camaraderie that you have with like people is like something that really just makes you come back like each time like i i don't know and then yeah yeah i was just thinking about that that was really good that was really good but also too like i just feel like for me where i'm at with like running and stuff like um because when i got i got injured like two years ago and that's kind of when i was like all right let me just try to i always wanted to work in i knew i wanted to be in the running industry but us starting this podcast, working at Hoka, all these different things, I knew there's like so much more to running. Like you were, you were coaching. There's so much more to running than just being an athlete. That's mm -hmm. like, you know, one of the big things behind this episodes in general is like going, like being in the industry, still following that little passion inside of you. You can ignite it through so many different ways that that you're not even aware of and i don't know what exactly it is about running that makes that happen but i feel like you're the prime example like being involved um with environmentalism as well too so like you have like used your passion in running to do so many different things but um one thing i want to ask so what was your first job that was like in the running industry my first job like in in the running industry was actually at hoka um, so I have to give a shout out to Wazell because Wazell helped connect me with Hoka. Um, I did a photo shoot with Wazell and they were doing the Wazell Clayton. Clayton doesn't exist anymore, but it was basically the mock before the mock existed. Um, and they were doing this photo shoot and I drove up for it and I was running around and I was like, wow, I didn't even realize like there was a running brand that was at that point I was living in Thousand Oaks. It was about 40 minutes, but I was like, this is cool. Like, I wonder what they do here and what kinds of jobs exist here. Um, I checked the job boards and there was a coordinator position on the digital marketing team for social media. 
which pretty much aligned with what I had been doing the last few years. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to Wazell um, and there's a woman named Meg and I was like, hey, can you put a good word in for me? Like, I really want to apply for this gig. Uh, long story short, I ended up getting it and working my way up through Hoka and, and really like diving headfirst into this industry that I honestly didn't even know existed. Um, so I'm really thankful for that kind of lucky opportunity in a way that led me to where I am now. Yeah, that's really crazy. And I feel like that really relates to Aaron definitely diving head in first and like into to Hoka. Like this man did not know what he, what he was doing. Like no no disrespect to you, Aaron. Like I remember you calling me like, bro, like I don't mean, I'm just learning on the fly right now. But I feel like, <laughs> wasn't it though? Wasn't it? Yo, shout out to all the Hoka people listening right now. But most definitely I entered in at the craziest time you could enter April of 2020. And I was remote. Like I didn't go in nothing of coming from customer service background so definitely dived in but one thing i do one thing i appreciate about hoka in general is like i really felt like the people there um were very flexible really like very helpful like shout out to stephanie like amazing 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 leader amazing leader and helped helped a lot with me figuring out things and then we were also doing a lot of Joshua, you you yourself jumped into the industry. Like you are in the industry, whether you know it or not. Yeah, this, this podcast thing, all the people we're talking to and interviewing, that's in the partnerships that we're creating. That's all a part of it. So I think there are some good people in in the industry, you know, despite some some things that people that happen or whatever, there are some good people that are willing willing and there to help you for sure. Hundred percent. So you kind of just uh, stumbled on it sort of through like chance. So I'm guessing you were like already modeling through that, through that, before that time, like just like for clothing brands. That time. Like barely. <laughs> Wazell sent me a DM. Uh, I don't know. That must've been 2016, I want to say. Um, and we're like, Hey, have you ever modeled before? And I was, I said, Nope. And they said, well, we're doing this uh, fall photo shoot. We'll fly you out to Seattle. Um, so I ended up, flying out to Seattle and attempting to do what I thought modeling was. Um, But yeah, other than that, I had never been in front of a camera for anything other than like running and race photos that parents would take. Um, But it was a really fun environment. And I think if anything, those shoots, I started with Wazelle and then I did a bit of modeling for Hoka and then for a long time now, almost five years, I've modeled for Tracksmith. Um, and it allowed me to see even another inside of a company and multiple companies and be able to see like how things worked inside uh, multiple brands has been really cool. Yeah. And in, even with, and with Tracksmith too, you're modeling and then you started writing. I mean, you said you're a communication major, so that's something that you were already, you know, attuned to like, how did that come across? How did the, the opportunities to do the writing for Tracksmith? Uh, on the blog come to yeah that was like a really serendipitous nice add-on i guess i think if you follow tracksmith you see that they tell beautiful stories and really capture the essence of running i think what i enjoyed most is a tracksmith photo shoot is really just a run or a workout um and their photographer emily may who is amazing by 
many, many different ways, uh, just captures all those little moments of swapping your shoes out or grabbing your cup of coffee when you're half awake or like going after that last repeat. Um, and all I had to do was run. Um, and so I had a lot of time to like just unplug and think and enjoy my run as I normally would. So when it came to writing and they might say, hey, you know, we're looking to hear about this event you did or like the changing of seasons or if you have anything you want to write really just come to us it became a nice outlet for me to kind of reflect on like where i was with running and and what i felt needed to be said or read um so yeah it's a really great outlet for that the tracksmith journal has a lot of nice pieces yeah then with all you've done through the, the writing the digital marketing the modeling and everything like and there's still more stuff to be done but like what's one of the what's one or some of the f like few favorite things that you've done either that are just like that was really fun to do or most like impactful maybe but like what's or just like or that people really enjoyed from like what's something that really stands out to you what are some i know there's not going to be one but like what's one thing or like a few things that really like stand out to you as being some of the, the things that you're most proud of yeah, I think honestly, if I if I could narrow it down to one, I I think it would be when I wrote your black teammate for Tracksmith in the summer of 2020. Um, I actually didn't write it for Tracksmith. I wrote it just for my Instagram, um, and Tracksmith reached out to see if I wanted to expand on the piece I wrote a little bit, and that for me was a really pivotal moment in like my journey, not only as a runner, but as a black woman who runs, because I started to realize that I had in a way been hiding a piece of who I was within the running community. And I hadn't really shared a lot about what my experiences as a black runner were over the years. Um, so to just kind of be able to write something from my heart and have it be open and then to have a brand reach out and say like this needs to be read and seen by more people for me is something that I really felt was like a catalyst during a time when like we need it to be heard from and and so for me I'm I'm really proud about that yeah it's an amazing article if you all haven't seen it but one part that stands out to me in your in that article is when you said I was 18 when I was told repeatedly that I wasn't really black by my by my college teammates. And I think about like your journey, like you lived in Maryland. I'm not sure. I know there's some Maryland's that are, you know, a lot of places in Maryland, a lot of black people, but then you moved to Tribuco Hills where I know it's I'll not diverse. You. Yeah, it's not diverse there, like yep. at all really, you know? And then at college going to UCSD, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of black folk there as well. And then if you lived in Santa Barbara, or I know you lived in Ventura, like, it's not there either. So like, throughout your, you know, this amazing journey through the, the running community, meeting amazing people. Yeah, you don't sometimes get to like, if you don't connect with that black community, like we're talking about that is more mm -hmm. present now, it does kind of feel like you're hiding like some part of that. Like, did you did you ever notice that? Like, when you're like, in well, I guess you noticed it in college when you're saying that, but was there a moment in high school too, where you're like, man, there's not really many people on the distance team that. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was fortunate in high school. I mean, 
there were a handful of black individuals on the team. Of course, come track, there were many more black individuals, but I think as many black distance athletes know, there still is kind of a, as much as you can have your friends in track season, you're spending so much time with the cross country crew that it doesn't really feel like all of a sudden you're encompassed with blackness come track. It's like, oh, great. I have my track friends. They're back. We can hang a little bit, but I'm still logging all my miles and spending most of my time with this crew that happens to be less diverse. Um, So for me, I think high school is already like a weird time period where you're trying to figure out like how you fit in and like who you are and whatnot. And so I definitely didn't like stand and like I wouldn't have said in high school like I'm a black woman running like that would not have been anything I would have shed extra light on I guess um but I think in college I started getting to the point where I was more comfortable with just who I was and so the interactions with teammates who basically made me feel as though I wasn't black enough kind of like hit a lot harder because I was, I was becoming more comfortable with who I, I was. So it, it was a really interesting time to realize like my surroundings hadn't changed that much between like percentage of black people at my high school and at my college, but just how I was feeling internally was changing so much that the words like hit really different. Did this also come from like conversations that you may have had like with your family or like a class that you took at UCSD or like, uh, or even just like movies? Because I feel like for me, uh, definitely like back like in high school, like kind of like realizing that in cross country that made me kind of realize that is like, because I did have one of my uh, best guys that I ran with. He's like, he's mixed. So like, and he's really fast. And then we had this other dude, he was Nigerian, shout, shout Spencer. So like Spencer and Tyler, but uh. Like, we always realized that, like, yeah, like, there ain't a lot of Black people. I feel like what made me is, all like, I had Aaron and Caleb that ran cross-country beforehand. So I feel like I'm definitely, like, grateful for that because, like, they were able, like, to set the example and, like, already, like, kind of, like, like, when I was, I was, when Caleb graduated at high school, he, I was 10. So I'm all, like, I already kind of knew, like, man, when I go around cross-country, like, I'm going to be the only black dude there and I'm be, I'm trying to run 800 too. So like, this ain't really for me, yep. but like I'm here doing it because like I have to, but like, it's fun at times because I can run with my friends, but like, yeah, was there, was there something, were there conversations too at that time that you're having with your family or other people that made you start to realize like, yeah, they, they kind of tripping at times. <laughs> yeah. I think interestingly for me, I think as a black woman, like hair is always a really big Thing. And in high school, like the first part of high school, I straightened my hair and tried to like blend in as, as much as I could. And by the time I got to college, I was like, oh, I have to do these box braids myself now. Like I'm a broke mm. college student, need to figure out what to do with my hair. And I ended up just like wearing my fro out a lot more often, which of course led to like the disco Halloween costume where everyone thought I was wearing a wig. And I was like, no, actually, like this is just <laughs> what my hair looks like. And so yeah. I think for me, it it really became more of a, like, I was watching hours and hours of, like, YouTube hair tutorials of just, like, beautiful Black women trying to mm-hmm. learn how to do my hair and, like, how to embrace the texture that I was given. And I honestly say, in hindsight, that 
maybe that was like a big shift for me and just accepting more of like who I am and being able to have access to something like YouTube to see others that looked like me more regularly. And so they gave me a lot of confidence to feel like beautiful as I as I was and to feel like I had something that was different, but different wasn't a bad thing. Um, and so then those those comments about my hair or questions or those microaggressions that we get so often were kind of like they took me back a bit more because it was this moment of are these teammates my friends in the way that I need friends right now or am I kind of going down a different path and like they're not understanding it um, and I was the only black woman on my cross-country team um, I there was one man that was biracial who kind of trained with the men sometimes but even then there wasn't a black guy on the cross-country team and I'm pretty sure I was the only black woman doing a fall sport at UCSD so it was like I definitely didn't see a lot of people that look like me um and so I kind of used college as a, a time to be like well this is who I am and this is what I'm gonna keep moving forward towards um despite what my teammates might think so yeah I think that's I love that I love how you said you had to really contemplate, are these people really my friends? Are they just like my teammates? And I think that's a real a sign of maturing and becoming an adult and just like accepting of of who you are. And also one side note, man, like, bro, hair, like I know it's hard for women, but for dudes, that stuff is hard. When I went to college, man, I remember the first time I went there, the first black guy I was like, I met my boy Ramonte. I'm like, yo, where can I get a cut, bro? went to some he sent me to somebody that gave me a <laughs> oh my gosh my hairline was so <laughs> terrible bro like this dude Montre oh dude this guy destroyed destroyed my I got so many messed up haircuts in college trying to find somebody that could cut black people hair that and then getting and then I had dreads for a little bit and I lived in slow that that's oh no no <laughs> Yeah, that's I, why that's why I don't got them no more I was like bro I can't I can't do this if no I can I wasn't patient enough to take the time to twist my hair and I was like bro like I gotta just keep it as simple as possible but hair is always uh that's that's a big thing yeah for sure and and you would think with your hair low too being in in college like I said like like a guy if you're if it's buzz like you would think like the other people would think like, oh, bro, you don't even got to get your hair cut that much or you just get it like, nah, bro, like every two weeks I got to get my hair cut. Like, no cap. Like, I have to. Yeah. If I don't, then I'm be, I ain't going to be looking right. You feel me? So like, <laughs> yeah, nah, for, yep. for real, for real, though. But another thing I wanted to say about uh, your, your writing, though, your, your, your black teammate, I feel like when we we're just talking about it earlier and just talking about how, like you like when you when you wrote that, I feel like it also like when we start two black runners like it's something that was very similar so i think like in our first or second episode we talk about like how like yeah bro when i was at cross country meets like i would be all like i want to be the first black dude to cross this line or like if i seen a black dude at the cross country meet i would be make sure i'm always giving him a head nod no matter yep. what like yeah okay okay it's like that that weren't that wasn't stuff that wasn't usually like talked about you know but i feel like doing like two black runners and saying like oh yeah we we black distance runners like claiming claiming that and like showing people that like 
yeah, there is like this discrepancy. Like, even though you do see like, like East Africans, they do dominate the distances, but being an African-American distance runner is definitely, it's a different experience, especially if you're on the West coast, like it's, it's definitely a different experience. And talking about you, like your black teammate back in 2020, that's after Ahmaud Aubrey expressing those feelings. Do you feel like after you writing that to almost two years later and you saying like as 28, I still don't feel comfortable running in nice neighborhoods. Has that changed at all? Oh, I feel like that's, it's such a, like, in, in one way, I can't believe it's been a year and a half. Like we're coming up on two years since that it, it, time is such a strange construct right now with just everything, but I, I've definitely gone through like waves with running. And if I'm honest, I think I kind of started to feel a little bit of a, a burnout after 2020 because I just felt that there was almost like an additional spotlight on like black runners specifically during that time. And, and while I was glad to share my perspective, I also had a lot of like, but I've been here, like we've all been here. It's not like I just appeared in 2020 and now you can ask all these questions and like dig and try and understand, like this has been my life for most of my life. Half my life has been a black distance runner. Um, So I think I still kind of struggle a bit with how I'm seen um, as a runner in this space. I'm comfortable like saying I'm a black distance runner and voicing and sharing. And like, it's so wonderful to speak to you two and to speak to other black distance runners about these shared experiences. Um, But yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, do I still sometimes feel uncomfortable in new neighborhoods? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I do. And do I feel like I should force a smile and be like, hello, even if I'm in the middle of like running hard and I don't feel like it and it's not necessary. Yeah, I still do that. Um, But I do have maybe a bit more confidence and just like, I, I just want to go out for a run today and maybe I'm not going to do the pleasantries and, and try and like make you feel comfortable. Like I'm running on the sidewalk. You can move to the left. You see, I'm running on the sidewalk here. I'm not going to jump in the gutter. Like I always, do. you know, like just little things, yeah, little things yeah. that like feel, feel powerful when you do them. Sometimes um, I try to take a bit more pride in this. Yeah, like, why are you taking up the whole sidewalk with your three dogs? Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> like I know you see lane. me. You see me <laughs> coming towards you. Yeah, Yo, yeah, for sure. <laughs> also, too, how do you feel about, you may have kind of answered this, but how do you feel? Because, like, we see the response to 2020 and the NBA and the NFL. How do you feel? I feel like this is the first time, like, the running world industry sport ever had to really like address something like this, like people doing the 2.23 runs. And as you're saying, like you're seeing more voices like on Instagram lives. How do you feel about like the overall overall response um, to this two years later? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like the 2.3, 2.23 miles that people are running, for me, that was like the tipping point of I need to say something because when I saw my Strava feed full of like 2.23 miles for a month, I was like, you guys run every day anyway. <laughs> like if anything, yeah. you did this 2.23, you saved it and then you finished your run. Like it, it was yeah. <laughs> like a, a very odd thing for me. 
Um, and I think two years later, what I'm honestly thankful for is the fact that I feel like at least if I bring a conversation forward, people feel that they should listen and that they can learn and that we can work together to figure out a solution where I think in the past I was much more shy to even bring forward something that I might have noticed because it's exhausting being the Black person that always brings things forward. And at least now I feel like I can maybe share like a bit of what I'm feeling and someone else will say, I also noticed that and yeah, you're right. And you shouldn't have had to bring it to me, but I'm thankful you did and like, let's fix it. Um, where two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, like I remember there was a, a paid ad that we were promoting and the runner in the ad was a black woman and her ankles were ashy. And I noticed that in this photo, I was like, her ankles are ashy. Someone's going to comment, like you're putting paid spin behind this. Yeah. And I brought it up and someone's like, no, it's fine. Lo and behold, next day it went no. live. All the comments, all the comments, like, did they have any lotion for this woman? Like, it was just, and yeah. I, was like, I told you, I told you because I know, because I noticed, because I understand what it means to be ashy. And like, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of like a funny example, but there's lots of little moments that I feel like I kind of let slide before. And I feel like a lot of people in the industry, whether it's because you're a woman, a person of color, a black person, like whatever it is, you just kind of don't always want to be that person. And I hope that the fact that at least because people verbalize that they understand that there's a problem that needs to be fixed, people feel a bit more comfortable coming to those people and saying like, hey, because I know you believe this, here's something I noticed or here's something I felt. I do feel like for for me, honestly, like when I came into Hoka, it was April 2020. So we know what happened in the next coming months. So I was like, whoa, I never seen people, a company react in this way. Like if I was at my prior situation, you know, I would have been a little bit more like shy and reserved. I do feel like there's more respect put on the name. And I still think there needs to be be more. But I think there's a little bit more respect and more comfortability to be like, hey, like, I can talk and people aren't going to just be like, oh, this guy's just being extra, you know, yeah. but the, back to what you said about the ashy thing, bro, that's a big deal that, you know, that happened to me. I'm not going to say <laughs> there was something I did for modeling and that happened to me. Like I did the picture and my homie, my homie hit me up. He texted me and he was like, bro, look at your ankles. Like, he's like, they weren't black. Huh? You didn't have no, they didn't give you no lotion. And I was like, oh, bro, like. Oh, they really like, come on, like you, y'all got a photographers, bro. Like y'all got to, you got to have lotion. Like somebody got to be yep. there to help. You know yep. what I'm saying? I started bringing my own lotion to set. I feel like I'm, I'm covered because I know, especially if you're running and like you're modeling shoes and you're not wearing socks half the time because you, you know, they don't want the sock line and it rubs, you get ash, you get ashy. Like. That was embarrassing when that happened to me. I was like, dang, I hope no, but, but they don't, because they don't think it's a big deal. They're like, oh, it's whatever. They're not even looking at it, but no, bro. Like it's the same with like the hair. Like I can't just be walking around with no haircut for like, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, that's funny yeah. though. But I feel like that goes too. I know it's black history month, but like, I feel like for like for every, uh, every, what's the word, bro? What? Like every 
mismarginalized group, you know, just letting them have that voice, like just knowing that, like, like humbling yourself, knowing that, like, bro, like you can't really talk on this, like you can't be the main voice for this, like let, 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 let them talk, let them speak and let, or bring someone in that's going to have this perspective, like you don't have to do everything because you don't know everything. You know, exactly. so like letting that person speak and like humbling yourself is a big thing that not just for the running industry, but just like all of life, you know, and that's something that like we all need to to learn in a sense in some areas. You never know what's going to come up, but like you have to be aware and recognize and that type of thing. But another thing that we wanted to talk about with you, Camila, is you being the co-VP of Runner for Public Lands and what you do in that in that work. So could you just kind of describe that for us and how that really works? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been a part of Runners for Public Lands or RPL as we call it often uh, since April of 2021. And I just got nominated to the VP, co-VP role in December actually. Um, but I'm really excited about it. Runners for Public Lands is a 501c3 nonprofit that organizes and mobilizes runners around climate action, environmental sustainability, uh, the protection of public lands, as well as like access to those lands and expansion of them. Um, and it's a really neat organization because essentially runners are the biggest group of active people. If you were to add all of this up, there's about, I think the, the stat is something maybe like 60 million runners exist. Um, but I would say kind of echoing what our founder Vic has said that runners are kind of the last to the climate movement. I think if you look at like snow sports, there's like POW or there's, um, Surfrider Foundation or all these other organizations that have really come together under the umbrella of a sport and said like, hey, if we like to snowboard and ski, like we need to acknowledge what's going on with climate and with our planet and how we treat it. And if we like to surf in the ocean, we need to acknowledge that we need to clean up our beaches. Um, but runners, you know, we head out the door, we go for a run, we might make use of a trail and, and that's that. Um, and so for us, our goal really, we're based in Ventura is where we started, but we're very much expanded along the central and Southern California coast. And our goal is really to have chapters of RPL all across the nation where people can come together, learn about the lands they run on, learn about what actions they can take to basically allow us to continue enjoying the outdoors as, as runners. That's super cool. And, and did you, did you always have this this passion for the environment or is this something that came like from running and going out on these trails that you wanted to, I would say, I don't know if the word is give back, but take care of the earth? Yeah, I think growing up, I definitely would have said like, yeah, I'm an environmentalist. I care about the planet, but I don't know that I was really doing anything. Like there wasn't an action that I could point to and say that this is leading to progress in the space of environmentalism. So I think running for me and specifically when I got to college and we would run along the ocean and the cliffs in La Jolla, we would have these moments that we called ohms, an ocean appreciation moment where just in the middle of a run, we'd like be like, ohm, and we'd stop and just like yeah. take it in. 
can be like, wow, we live somewhere that's really beautiful and we're really fortunate to have this. And I think as I started running less competitively and more just for enjoyment, I started to take in my surroundings more. It's like I had run in on trails all through high school, but I never knew what trail running was or never had a pair of trail shoes. And I never really slowed down enough to like realize what I was running through. And so with coaching and with running for fun, I started to realize like, it's really amazing that I have access to these places, but not everyone does have access to these trails and not everyone takes care of them the way that they're, they're needed to be taken care of. And on a larger scale, there's a much bigger problem about how we're treating the planet in general. So for me, RPL was like a perfect blend of me looking for a way to take more action and still tying it to my athletic activity that I enjoy. No, that's dope. That's dope. So are there any like recent initiatives or initiatives that you guys done or events that kind of like, or I'm assuming to like, like build trails or try and take care of like some trails in some communities? Yeah. So one thing we are doing now that COVID is I don't know, in this weird limbo state, but enough where we feel comfortable getting together with the community again. We do a lot of neat events in like the greater Ventura, Santa Barbara area. So sometimes that looks like a film screening in partnership with Patagonia. So we'll have a speaker that explains, you know, uh, an effort that they're working on and we'll have a short documentary and like a Q&A for that. Or most recently, actually last night, I went to Trail Thursday and there's a trail called Harmon Canyon in Ventura. So we had someone from Ventura Land Trust, who's the organization that is building all of these trails, speak to the group at the beginning of the trail run. We did a quick, you know, three and a half mile loop at sunset and kind of got to take it all in and learn about what's on the trail and what to look out for. Like there's this really neat section that the um, Ventura Land Trust man, his name's Dan, was talking about, where there's actually seashells on the trail because at one point it used to be the beach. And when you think about that, that you're like up on a trail, like looking out to the ocean, that at some point that that used to be a beach, it's it's just cool realizations like that. Um, and we do that run every third Thursday and it'll rotate locations, but it's a good way to like meet community, to learn a bit about where you're running and then um, to look for ways to give back or to help build like new trails and all of that as well. And it's super cool and just like, going if you're listening to the entire podcast it makes sense like that you're transitioning into this as well like you really have like taken your passion and turned it into something like something special something that you do every day and get paid for does that ever like really does that ever really hit you ever like how are you feeling i know you have to feel like super grateful for that i feel really really grateful because i definitely I like am the first person to say like, yes, I'm fortunate. I've been in this space for, I guess, about the last five years now, but like I turned 30 this year. So it wasn't that I graduated college and like immediately fell into this perfect space. I worked at like Staples slinging pins and pencils. I worked like jobs that I like hate it and detest it and just like wasn't fulfilled by at all. But like you have bills, you have things to do, like you have to live and so for me i think to be at a point now where i look around me 
and my jobs have connected me with people. Like I met my husband through my job. Like I've made such close friends. I'm able to like show up in the community and give back to it in a way that I really just arrived at because I checked the box on a pink piece of paper in the eighth grade. Like that's pretty that's wild、crazy. to me. So I definitely am very thankful and grateful、um, that things have aligned like they have. Yeah, thinking about what you're saying, and Aaron, like creating, like creating your own lane through running through, well, like from your passion, being able to get paid and everything. Like, how can other people do that in a way? Because I feel like there's so many subsections of like, like running. There's so many things under this umbrella that you see, like from environmentalism to so many like other things that we probably don't even know about, but people are finding that common bond through like running. Like, what would you? Advise someone, or like, what what advice would you give someone that wanted to do that same kind of thing, but they don't know exactly how to get there with their, like, combining like multiple passions through running? Yeah, I would say, honestly, like starting by building community is huge. Like being a part of a community for me that was. Coaching and then connecting with the coaches, and then the coach recommended me for a job in sports that led to, you know, it was like he saw something in me and kept his eyes out for me. And I would say a lot of people at Hoka like they started because they loved running, so they were at the running store, and then they talked to the Hoka rep, and the next thing they know, the Hoka rep was like, actually, there's a job opening, and you might be perfect for it. Or one of my good friends, she worked for a marathon in Oregon, and then because she worked that marathon, Hoka did a event in Oregon. So she met someone, and so when she graduated, she knew Hoka existed as a brand. Like, but it's a lot of just being who you are in a space that you feel, I guess, ties in with what you're passionate about. So if you're passionate about the environment, show up to some beach cleanups, show up to some trail runs, find other like-minded people. If you're passionate about sports marketing, show up to some events, talk with some athletes, talk with some coaches, try and understand like how those people think and what they're working on, and ask them how they got to where they are. I'm sure everyone would be more than happy to to take you through their journey and. I found once you're a part of a community, it's a lot easier to make those connections because, like, we know the running world is so small. Like,、mm-hmm. everyone knows someone that knows someone. I'm sure it's like three degrees of separation from, oh, I went to high school with that person, or actually, my boyfriend's sister ran with them. Like, everyone is so connected. So it's just kind of putting yourself out there. I would. As we start closing out through the podcast, I want to ask too: like, is there are there is there a person or persons or a company in running right now that you're doing really well and that you want to just shout out that people need to go like check out? Um, I feel like honestly, you guys probably do this often, but like I'd shout out Hoka. Like Hoka to me was. Ahead of the curve in realizing like what the bigger picture was in terms of running. Like I felt really honored to be on that team when I was there to grow from really like a male-centric trail running brand into the Hoka we see today that is like fashionable and diverse and entering all different kinds of spaces. Like for me. Their brand that I still look up to, that I'm still really connected with in terms of friends and coworkers that are over there.、Um, so Hoka, like, keep it up. 
I, I admire what's going on over there for sure. Hey, brand yeah. of the year, Aaron. Brand of the year. Okay. We did. We did win brand of the year. You know, no, no biggie. There you, you go. Know what I mean, something slight. Uh, something slight. Something slight. You know, I was there, but I didn't announce it. But I was there. <laughs> but also, that's being that it's another day. That's a story. Yeah, that's off offline. But uh, being that it's Black History Month, uh, we wanted to ask you too. What are your? You got three favorite Black sitcoms that you wanna that you can name for Ooh. us that's a good one um i would well first i have to say insecure because i'm still heartbroken that it's over like a part of me can't believe that insecure is over um but for me that was like honestly i think that was the first black sitcom i watched where like my white co-workers were like did you see insecure last night and i was like you watch like, insecure huh? like you that allowed? okay <laughs> okay like <laughs> <that> <laughs> um so that's definitely up there um i'd also say the bernie mac show was like a favorite in my household growing up loved bernie mac uh still can't believe he's gone um always good laughs with bernie mac show third favorite i would say in a weird way because they're totally different it would almost be like a tie between girlfriends i love tracy ellis ross she is like the queen of all queens for me and sister sister because i just started re-watching sister sister on whatever streaming platform it's on and like it still slaps like it's still yeah. really good um so yeah that's what i would say bro have you seen the insecure documentary on yes on yes I was, I was watching that and i'm all like dang this is just like black excellence from like everybody exactly Issa Rae really put putting people on right yeah amazing 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 also sometimes we don't even know who we should get on the podcast so we like to ask our guests for ideas who should we have next to come on two black runners that would be a great guest in the future they don't Ooh. have to i'm just <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> let's see I would say, have you had Isaiah Jewett on here? No, we no, haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess we're going I to just saw his yep. announcement video yesterday that he signed with Nike and in true Isaiah fashion with the, the graphics and stuff. That was pretty cool. And I just, I just love him. I just, I cheered for him so hard at the trials and at the Olympics was like so devastated with how that, that ended up. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think he'd be pretty cool to have on the pod. Yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna make that happen this year. It's already kinda in the works. It's in the works. Nice. Awesome. Oh, that intro, that, that announcement was tight though, like with the Marvel little thing, and then you had the yeah. My Hero song in the background. I was like, okay, who did that? Like, <laughs> like who's who's this editor, bro? But last question, then we'll get you out of here. Just kinda deep, but I don't know, it's it's nice to end off with. What mark do you wanna leave on the sport of running? When, you, when it's all said and done? I would say I really just want to be seen as someone almost like behind the scenes that helps elevate and lift people that need it to be seen and, and heard from. I think at the heart of it for me with my job, with my work outside of my job, I just want people to have a platform to share 
what they're working on, what their stories are, uh, where they want to go, where they want to see the sport of running going. Because for me, my job isn't to tell stories. I, I like to say it's to share stories because those stories can really only be told by the person that is telling them. I can tell my story, but I can't tell your story, but I can give you an opportunity to share your story. Um, so for me, that's, that's really what I want to continue doing. That was a bar. That was a bar. Not <laughs> that to, was a to, bar. <laughs> yeah. Not to tell stories, but to share stories. I love, I love it. No. Yeah. But thank you so much, Camila, for joining us on first week of Black History Month, being coming on. Like, that was a good podcast, a dope conversation. I hope we can do this again in the future. And I think it probably, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if you came on the podcast again in the future. Like, definitely appreciate you coming through. Aaron, you got anything else to say before we get out of here, bro? I appreciate you coming on, Camila. And I definitely think, like, a podcast like this can be really impactful and help a lot of people like you truly are a black tastemaker i remember the first time i ever met you i saw you at the santa barbara downhill mile when i was running for the aggies and that it's that it was impactful to me to see someone that looked like me doing their thing so truly do appreciate you and i i hope like you know i think i know people will be inspired by hearing this because not a lot of people are aware of these opportunities so really happy you're able to come on and we were able to highlight your story thank you so much for having me on this was so fun but also like i learned things about myself just by by sharing with you and so thank you for all that you do for the culture for the sport of running and and keep at it like this this was really fun thanks thank you thank you appreciate it and all you guys listening at home Make sure to put some lotion on, bro. Don't get out. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> see y'all next, next week, bro.